Hey, TSL family, before we dive into the show, I have a special announcement for any university students who are eligible for credit regarding internships. We are actually staffing up our summer and fall intern classes right now, so we are excitedly taking interviews and meetings with anyone who might be interested in an internship with our show. Um, the TSL internship is a pretty immersive one. Uh, in addition to joining us for our tapings and meeting our guests, you'll be kind of looking behind the curtain to see how a podcast is assembled, diving headfirst into social media and kind of what that looks like, how to monetize our show, even possibly helping find ad partners for us. So it's a really immersive and multifaceted internship. And of course, most importantly, you'll get to meet and interact with Megan Lorian, which I can speak from personal experience is one of the most valuable things you can do for your career. So if you are a student who is eligible for university credit and you're possibly interested in seeing what an internship with us would look like, please email thescreenwritinglife at gmail.com. That's thescreenwritinglife at gmail.com with the subject line intern, and you'll hear back. And I should note that this is a remote internship, so whether you're from Australia or Europe or the United States or the Midwest or Antarctica, if we have anyone ambitious, you are eligible for the internship. All you need is access to Zoom. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hey, welcome to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. And I'm Lorianne McKenna. We are professional screenwriters. We've worked together as a team and separately. We've worked on studio and indie films, live action and animation, from my work on Inside Out and Captain Marvel. To my work in Pixar's story department on Up, Brave, and Inside Out. We are here to share our insights on the craft of screenwriting and also the life. How to not only survive the ups and downs, but thrive. We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey. Hey guys, welcome back to The Screenwriting Life. Today, we're taking a look at the world of contests, labs, fellowships, and residents. What are they and how do they help writers in their careers? So uh, we're super excited to have Cinestory board president, Lisan Sartor, with us today. Hi, Lisan. Hi. A Sinistory is not only an excellent contest, but it is the common link between Lori and Jeff and I, which is uh, we all met there uh, at Sinistory. So in a way, Sinistory birthed this podcast. In addition to Sinistory, Lee San is an award-winning writer-director whose short films have screened at hundreds of worldwide festivals. She's an alum of the AFI Directing Workshop for Women and the WGA Feature Writers Access Project, as well as Yato, Hedgebrook, and Story Knife Residencies. Lee San is a UCLA screenwriting MFA. She's had an original screenplay air on Lifetime, and she's worked with numerous production companies and taught screenwriting at UCLA, Stevens College, and the Disney Launchpad Shorts Incubator. But before we um, get into talking to Lee San, uh, let's uh, talk about our weeks and what we like to call adventures in screenwriting. And I am not going to go first. So I'm going to throw a little wrench. Da, 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 da. Uh, so Meg, why don't you go first? All right, I'll go first. My week was good. Um, that was good. You know, I'm in the rewriting phase of churn it up, figure it out, not actually writing, but like putting pieces together. Okay, what, what, what do we need to do? How much of this are we tearing apart? You know, that kind of thing. Um, which I've, you know, it's been a little while of doing this and that's normal, like really wanting to see it all down at the stubs before trying to go back up to start writing. And, um, you know, it's that kind of thing where if you have a third act issue, you are trying to figure out, well, of course I could do the how of this. I could figure out a bigger set piece, but really it always has to go back to act one and what is the journey and how did we get here? And what is this a metaphor for? And 
yes, that metaphor has to be visual, but what is it a metaphor for in terms of the main character, blah, blah, blah. So I'm doing all that deep dive pieces and there's a lot of eureka moments with, you know, oh, that's a great piece and oh, that's a great idea. And, oh, she could do that or um, that thing could happen. But, you know, then it's like, now I'm at the stage where it's like, okay, but how does this all go together? And was all those good ideas just chaos and felt like a good idea because you're so desperate for something to have an idea or is it like actually going to work and do they all go together they don't all go together and so it's a I'm in that process of teeter-tottering between this is great to oh no none of this works yeah none of this works (laughs) shit which of course it does work there's a lot of great pieces it's just I'm trying to get the the muscle tone between it all I can't I'm to get it all to hang together and uh and uh so that people aren't kind of bopping out or asking questions but it all feels inevitable but of course this is what would happen right now not wait a minute why is she doing that what is she doing what are the rules about that you know that kind of stuff so what's interesting about it the last thing I'll say is um it's very physically tiring you know like you know it's back it's going back between whiteboard cards maybe you know grabbing you know multiple people having a discussion so you're talking out loud um but it's, it's physically tiring. And I was so surprised. Oops, sorry. Something just dropped on my desk. I was surprised how tiring it was that when I went home uh, at seven o'clock, uh, i.e. turned the, the computer off, I was tired, man. I was wiped out. Like I could have been gone to bed at eight o'clock. I mean, I can't because I got kids and stuff going on, but uh, it, it's, it's surprising to me how physically tiring it is to be that mental, to be moving pieces of the story around in your head. And you're like, what did I do all day? I just sat down. Like if I had a, if I had a fancy watch, it would have told me to stand up 16 times and I didn't. So, um, it's okay, Meg. I have one of those and I just ignore it every time. You <laughs> do that. So, I mean, it's like, like Oh, you want finger. me to stand up? How dare you? That's why I know. Like I have this idea of myself that I'm going to get one of those watches and do it, but I know I'll never do it. And it'll just end up in a drawer next to my bed. So uh, it's better to just confront where I am that, um, but it's interesting. So that's what I am a little bit tired on, on uh, to, but moving forward. So Lasan, how was your week? Uh, thank you for asking. Um, it's, I just spent, and this will, tie right into what we're going to talk about, but I just spent a month at a residency and I spent every day there writing for hours. I mean, I would go for my jog in the morning and then I'd come back and I would just write. And I got, I hit my goal. I finished the draft and I got home and I read through it once and I did notes on it and I got back and I got into that phase that I forgot about, which is fallow and just having to leave it. Cause I also got back and had to start working on the Sinistory TV retreat, which was literally seven days later. And so this week has been kind of revisiting and sitting down and turning it all over my head and starting to put together those ideas that started popping up because I realized I need those fallow weeks to kind of just let it simmer. I've now got the whole picture in my head of the story and I know the characters a lot better. And all of a sudden they start talking to me in weird ways. And I'll be like, oh, what about this? And this could happen and this could happen. But I can't do that if I'm still enmeshed in what I've just written. So yesterday I sat down and started to go through that stuff. And I started to organize that stuff. And I started to think about, well, what if that happened? And what if I use this here? And it was, it becomes more of the rewrite process that I'm used to. I, I, I always forget I need a few weeks to do this. 
And then now I'm getting into that phase of, okay, I'm gonna type in those initial notes and then I'm gonna go back to the outline. So it's all prep for that. It's been interesting. Rediscovery, every single time I write a script, it's like a light bulb goes on. I'm like, oh yeah, this is how I do it. <laughs> can we call it other than fallow or is fallow a good word? I don't know. Oh, it's a good word. Cause to me, it's like, it's lying there and it's ready. Mm. It's, it's, it's um, to resting. Me, Resting. A fallow field yeah. is a resting field. You have and to give it some time off so you don't over plant it. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to exhaust and, and ruin the soil. That's why you rest it. And it's interesting because like when you work either with like a writing partner or with a director or even with producers, sometimes the pressure can be on, or let's say there's time pressure and your brain starts to try to force it. You know what I mean? Like, well, we got that meeting coming up or we, we said we'd have the draft in by this date or you're partner isn't ready to be fallow because they're still churning something or not connecting to something. So it's, a, it's interesting because it, I'm, when you're saying that, I'm like, wait a minute, if I don't do this, why don't I do this? I think I actually need to do it today, but I can't because there's too much exactly. coming and too many people uh, uh, involved and not in a bad way. Like that's good. It's a blessing because all those ideas are still coming and I don't hit walls of, I don't know, because there's always another idea to come, but it can get, um, you do need that moment of, okay, let this, let this breathe for a minute and see what sticks and what, if you don't remember it, it probably wasn't, you know, wasn't toning down or, yeah, it's a really oh, yeah. good point. Oh, it's when really I start my, when I start my new draft, I literally will open a blank page. And if I can't remember it, like if there's something I know that I really want to just cut and paste from the, from the old script, I will. But if I can't remember it, I try and rewrite it, like write what's in my outline. And if it changes, great. But it's God, um, Valina, Valina Houston taught us that years and years ago at UCLA. Um, she's like, always oh, start with a blank document. So I tried it and, you know, I'm not perfect at it, but it helps. And it, it also gives me that feeling of ha I've got having come from a fallow field into a richer one. It's, it's a weird. I, I know, think what's so important about this is knowing what your process is. Yeah. And going toward it instead of trying to fix, quote, quote, fix yourself to be to do someone else's process. Yep. I cannot do the blank page thing. I have tried. It gives me so much anxiety and panic that it is it shuts me down. It is the opposite of how I can process my writing. I like to have lots of documents open and cut and paste and move around and save that one and save that one. Like that is my process. So oh, I have documents open. Absolutely. But I'm, I'm with I, you. I, I, yeah. I like to save as cut a bunch of stuff out, rewrite things. Um, Cause I'm always rewriting in the document. You know, sometimes I'll rewrite the same six times in a row. Right. But I think your point is you sort of remember, Oh, right. This is my process. I need this time, you know, and that's, great for you. Everyone else is going to have like a different journey in terms of, oh, this works for me. And then sometimes the project that you're on is like, oh, that's not going to work for you. To your point, Meg, like, oh no, you have a deadline. You don't have time to let it percolate. You got to think about it in the shower, get out and get back to work. <laughs> you know, like you get five seconds, you know, in the shower. So I think that's great though, that you had the opportunity and that you sort of remembered your process and I don't think I, I can say process one more time without <laughs> when I do think emerging writers need to try different things, even if it may, you may not totally. know it's your process until you try the blank page. And if the blank page makes you uncomfortable, I don't think that's a reason not to try it because it may be what you have to learn. There's a learning curve there. 
So it is, it's about trying different things and then realizing this was successful for me. This actually got me to where I needed. It got me that draft because I'm also a proponent, even though I hate it every time of the blank page. Ugh. But I also do understand that that it, that might not be everybody's process. Lorian, how was your week? Uh, my week was, uh, you know, full and busy. I am reminded how physical and how exhausting writing is. Like my back hurts, my neck hurts, <laughs> right? Like, how am I so physically messed up from sitting in a chair and writing? Um, I'm working on uh, a final note in a script and I know what it needs to be. And now I'm just like trying this and trying that and trying this. And it's like, that doesn't work. And that doesn't work. And just like throwing paint at the wall to see what sticks, to see what the answer is. Cause right now I don't know what it is yet. It's how to end this episode, right? How to end the pilot. And I, it's, I'm still not quite hitting the right note that makes you want to watch episode two that tells you this is a show that does all the things a pilot has to do. And I just haven't found that magic thing yet. I'm, I'm closer, I can feel it. Like I rewrote a whole character in it. And so those two characters track in a much different, more exciting way and there's more opportunity. It just, I have, so I'm working on that. I'm working on three pitches to take out this summer. They're all very different. So jumping from one to the other is like a complete, um, click in my brain into another different direction, another direction, but it's good in a way. Cause when I get too bogged down in one, I'm like, I'm going to go work on the comedy. Oh, great. I'm going to go work on this one, you know? So, um, uh, it's great. And then I'm in production on an animation test. It's very exciting. Cause you know, models are coming in and they're going to go into rigging, um, to be, you know, to be animated. So it's, it's exciting to see that finally going forward. Cause you know, you may not know this, but animation takes a beat. <laughs> so to get this far <laughs> is uh, very exciting to actually see the, the 3d model of the character and like what she looks like behind and the side. And, and then we're going to see it in rigging and what she'll look like when she's walking and laughing and making different faces. And so that's going to be really exciting. Cause that will inform what the test looks like, you know, so what animation will, what could be. So I've been busy and uh, still plenty of time though to freak out and sleep and hurt my back. <laughs> so, you know, just a regular week in the life of me. Well, Lasan, let's jump over to you and pick in your brain here. Um, so I think it's a good place to start by just maybe defining some of the differences in terms of what are these different things? Um, and I know that you have had so much experience both as a writer and as a person putting one on, so you can kind of see it from both sides, but um, you know, what is what? So can you help us parse that? You know, what is the difference between a contest versus a lab? What's the difference between a lab and a fellowship, residencies, kind of what are the, can you take us through kind of what the differences are? Yeah, definitely. So a contest, honestly, is just straight up, are you going to place in it? Um, so you're just, you're competing to, for a prize or a place or, you know, uh, something like the nickel, which is the ultimate contest is um, you're going to get attention if you are in like even the top, I think it's this, uh, the top 500 that they, I can't remember, but Years and years ago, I remember I didn't understand anything about competitions and placing in like the top hundred and something and getting a ton of attention just from that. So if you, if, go ahead. What do you mean by attention? 
So when I say attention, I mean that you'll get um, people will look at those lists. So agents, managers, producers will look at those lists and they'll contact you. Um, if, if you've given permission to have your information given out, then they will contact you. And, and so there are contests that will do that and that say they will do that. Some do, some don't. And you got to do your research to figure out what contests are actually going to follow through and what they say they're going to do. That's a big one. Are they actually going to give you the money that they say they're going to give you? Are they actually going to set you up in the meetings they say they're going to set you up? And you really got to look at the prize. So you're going for a prize when you're doing a contest. And that to me is actually the least attractive of all of these things because they get thousands and thousands of applicants. Whereas you start to look at labs and residencies and they also very often will get thousands or hundreds of, of applications, but a lab and a residency and a, well, a fellowship is, fellowship is a little more like a contest if it doesn't have anything attached to it other than money or, um, or meetings. A fellowship is simply that, but like our fellowship actually involves coming to the retreat. So you actually get a workshop out of it as well. And I think that's a little unusual. So fellowships can be whatever the contest defines it to be, or it can be something like, um, I'm trying to think of a fellowship that isn't that. Like the, um, yeah, the nickel I think is called a fellowship. So I that's think technically, because yeah, with nickel, if you place, I think it's the top five winners. The top five. That, yeah. They are given like essentially a year long quote salary, which gives you the space in theory to leave whatever your nine to yeah. five is to give you time and space to write. So it does kind of have like the DNA of a fellowship slash contest. It does. And so, and so does somebody like San Francisco Film Society does, um, I think it's the, the film, film fund, I'm sorry, the San Francisco Film Fund, you can apply and get, I think it's a 25 to 35 or $30,000 grant that you supposedly live on for the year, which if you're living in San Francisco to LA is laughable, but it's incredibly helpful because you don't have to do as much else. So that kind of thing is what you want to look for. I think if you're, if you're sending your money to any of this stuff, look at what the actual prize is. And with competitions and um, fellowships and grants, it's money. With labs and stuff like that and residencies, labs are, you're actually going and you're doing like workshops, you're learning. Labs to me are about learning and honing your craft. Um, and, and I think that's really important if that's what you're after and, and you've got the opportunity to do it. That's what I think is your money is better spent on. Residencies, I feel like screenwriters don't know about as much because really they've always been seen as, as something for like they're called artist colony. Um, and very few screenwriters know that residencies are for anybody, including filmmakers. And so often when I, when I apply to these residencies and I see that they actually do have a film component or a screenwriting component, I'm thrilled because I always thought they didn't have that. So a residency is gonna be a place that you apply to so that you can go there and all you do is write. There are no requirements other than go to dinner. And the really wonderful ones um, will feed you three meals a day. Uh, they give you housing. And all you have to do is pay for the way to get there. So I went to one called Yado this past um, March, and that was in Saratoga Springs. It's a very old one. It's been around for about 100 years. And it was fantastic. It was one of those places where I paid to fly there. And then you are with cohorts, but they're not all writers. Like I was there with a the documentarian and I was there with a the photographer. I shared a house with a photographer. There were a bunch of journalists there. It, I mean, obviously journalists are writers, but... It, you know, you can be there with painters, composers, choreographers. It's incredible. There are specific ones for writers, like there's Hedgebrook Writers Residency, which I know that Meg has been to, um, and I've been to, and I'm going back to actually next year, um, that are strictly for women. 
So some of them were super specific. And then some of these residencies have a small fee that you pay per week because they're not, they don't have endowments and stuff like that. Or if they do have endowments, they're not covering the cost of all the writers. So you just have to, again, do your research and see what it is that you're getting when you apply to these residencies. Because very often, like I was just at a residency and somebody said to me, oh yeah, I got into that one in Wyoming, but I wanted to go to the other one because they they do all your meals for you. But the this other one in Wyoming doesn't do all your meals and I really don't want to go and cook while I'm there. You can get that specific. And, and so you need to know what you want and what you're going to get out of it, how much you're actually going to end up paying. There's a whole bunch of ins and outs of residencies that you need to pay attention to when you're applying to them as well. But those are more about pure time to spend writing. And it's incredible time to do it. Matter of fact, I'm going to one, another female one based one is called Story Knife. It's based on Hedgebrook. And I'm going to that one in Alaska in May. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're going to Alaska in May? And didn't you go to like Greenland too? I went to Iceland. I went Iceland? To one the, that was Gulkistan. See what happens a, when your kids are older and they graduate <laughs> and you can go to residencies. Uh, I'm so jealous. They were I'm in so when jealous. The first time I went to a residency, there was 2016. So they weren't quite there yet, but they were. They didn't oh. know it. <laughs> I just oh went. God. Yeah. Um, Meg, so aren't you about you, to go on a safari though, Meg? Yeah, but of my own making, like I'm paying for it and it's not oh. to write. I'm going to with my kids. And I, mean, I was going to say, great. you're going with your kids. Yeah. It'll be great. It'll be great. And I'm going to go <laughs> teach at a lab, but it's not going to be like, I'm in my little cabin, which Hedrick was, which I loved. And you're in your little handmade A-frame cabin and they bring your lunch in a basket and put it on the door. And <laughs> all you're doing all day is writing. And yes, I find, I don't know if Lasan, you've, you've done it so much, but I found the first three days was just a total meltdown. Because I've never been alone. I mean, I, when you have kids, you're never alone. You have all these excuses to procrastinate, and suddenly you don't have any. You're there's no there's you could take a walk maybe, but there's no there's no TV, there's no social media, there's no phones, there's no nothing like right. So if you've melted down the first couple of days, I think that's normal, and then yeah. suddenly it comes right. So yeah. um, what would you say is the career impact? of these kinds of things and your experience in terms of their value. You know, people are paying for some of this, these contests, they're paying for, to submit to different labs and, you know, what's, what's the career impact? I think for me, uh, what I've seen happen very often is if you go to something, I would say when you go to a lab, make sure you're going someplace where you're actually going to be working on craft and learning about craft because otherwise it's not gonna have any impact. Because sure, you can go to these labs and think, oh, I'm gonna make all these contacts. It's gonna change my career because I'm gonna sell a script. That's not going to happen. It just isn't. You may make contacts that will eventually turn into something, but right then and there, you need to focus on your craft and why you're there because that's why everybody else is there. And if you're there just trying to hand out business cards and stuff, that's a big turnoff for one thing. And at Cinestory, it's a huge no-no. Um, so it only turns into a career-changing thing if it's self-motivated, because really what's changing is your attitude towards your career and your attitude towards yourself as a writer. Um, and I know people do show up at these things. I remember, I think you were at this one, Meg, where we were at a Cinestory many, many, many years ago a Cinestory retreat where somebody stood up and, and said that he had expected to come there and sell his script. He had written one script. 
And he was uh, older and was very disappointed. And we did end up talking to him and explaining to him, but he did come with these expectations. And, um, you know, we are now very super explicit about what to expect when you come to these things, which is why I think it's important to tell people. What about contests in terms of careers? Like how a contest could advance your career? I mean, what I love about Story or Sundance Lab or any of the labs workshop places is you're leaving your life and going away for a long weekend and you really do bond with people. Yes, Not just the mentors, but you bond with the other writers and you kind of get a, you get a little family, you know, and a lot of them stay together and write together afterwards and have story groups. And there's a Sinister Story Facebook page for alumni. And, you know, it becomes a network of itself. Exactly. Not necessarily a network to, I'm going to sell my script, but a network of support, a network of, of all kinds of things. And eventually, yes, it could be go to a network of sell my script for sure. It's not necessarily, but when you get into the contests of it all, um, what would you say is the career advantage or disadvantage of that? I think the disadvantage is spending your money. Like if you, if you can spend your money, you can spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars a year on competitions. And a lot of them, somebody said this to me so well the other day, she's like, I really weighed, do I want to spend $500 to win a thousand? And it's really unlikely I'm going to win that thousand. Or do I want to go put that money into a film or, you know, a short film or a podcast or something else? So, I mean, you really have to weigh what the value you're getting out of this is, you know, if you win something like Austin or, or nickel or any of the big ones, that means that actually does mean a lot. And people do show a lot of interest in you and you do get a lot of phone calls. You can get a manager and agent out of it. You can get a deal out of it. You can, it's, it's high profile, but only one person wins that. So you want to look at what kind of attention the people that came beneath that, like the finalists and the semifinals and the quarterfinals, are they getting attention? Is the organization helping them? Because some organizations really do do a lot for you and they go out of their way to, um, and they go out of their way to treat you like you're a community too, which is actually one of the, you're right. The advantage of the lab is that you become a community and that's really what's going to lift you up. That can happen with a competition as well, because something like, I'm trying to think, was it Screencraft? It was something, I can't remember which one it was that I had won with um, Six Letter Word. And they were lovely and like really worked to try and help me get contacts and that kind of thing. And they treated me like, okay, now you're part of this community. And, you know, that's what you want to look at too. And there's ways to research all of that. Just go online, read reviews and see what their alumni are doing. If, if they even show what their alumni are doing, which our website's not so great about right now because we're such a small organization, but really, if you can find out what they're doing, um, you'll know how supportive the community is being also in a way. What are some uh, ways that you can look at a contest like a website or, or a network of people to determine if it is a really good, reputable contest? Or what are some red flags that you can look at to be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't invest, you know, enter that one? You know, one of the things I've noticed is that um, reading the reviews on Film Freeway and stuff like that actually really helps because you'll see um, what sometimes they don't ring true and you're like, who oh, is this a real person or not? And uh, but most of the time, if you've got consistent lots of reviews saying, wow, they treated me so well, da 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 then you've, you've got a pretty good sense. Movie Bites is a really good way to figure out. Actually, I think 
that may have been how I found Cinestory to begin with because it's been around for so long. But Movie Bites uh, is a great website that does a lot, has a lot of reviews and um, really helps you weigh what's good and what's bad about a contest and even has, you know, even has ratings and that kind of thing, which most of them do now. But I really still go back to Movie Bites. They've been around way longer than Film Freeway or anything like that. Um, and, and actually, you can find new places, too, that way. Um, something caught my attention. I think as it was in Italy, I found a new lab in Italy that looks really interesting. Of course you did. Oh my God. <laughs> of course I did. Of I mean, course you did. a chance to go to Italy. Um, and, you know, I, I really don't apply to stuff unless it's a residency or lab these days. That's somewhere that I want to be. And Italy signed me up. So I started reading their reviews. And it's a real place. It's a real, like, really what you want to also research is, is this a real place? That's another big right. thing. Uh, yeah. What well, do you mean? Because, what do you mean? Like, somebody's going to say habada gabada in the middle of boobaba and, like, it's not a real place? Uh, like, it can, they I love can that say, place, hey. by the way. Yeah, I, I have done that lab. Me too. Come on. It's a, I, don't, gave it, don't, I gave it five stars. Yes. Don't discredit habada gabada. It's a good lab. <laughs> Some of these places are just bullshit. I mean, you know, it, it can definitely be bullshit. Um, but, you know, sometimes the most unassuming websites, there's a place in Southern Italy, and I knew about this from somebody else. Oh, also talking to people. Like I have found out about residencies and labs from other people at residencies and labs and Cinestory that I've talked to or um, people that I've gone to places with that I know. I'll look at their um, pages at their Facebook, not Facebook pages, Jesus their web pages at their sites and I'll see what residencies they've been to. I'll see what labs they've gone to. And I'm like, Oh, I really respect this person. Let me look at that. What can I learn from that? Because if you're a session, that's a big one to me. If you're going to learn from being there, that's, and people say I learned so much when I was there, that's a big plus for me. Um, and people will be honest on a lot of this stuff and, and they'll get rebuttal from the people who run the organization. But I've noticed on Film Freeway, there are negative reviews. And of course, there's a rebuttal from somebody, but look at it. If there's more than one, it could be somebody that's just disgruntled. But if there's a, a, a theme that's going on throughout, there's something going on there. And they I can mean, be I, full of I, shit. I was, asked, I was asked a couple of times to judge some different contests. Now, and you're not getting paid. You're just being asked for your free time. And then I'm mm-hmm. looking at how much money they're making. Yeah. And mm-hmm. what, what are people getting from this? You know, and it's just really, well, they get coverage or they get um, to say they won. And it's just like, well, no, nah, you know, I, I'm going to give my time to somebody who is really trying to create a community and, and a deeper level of support. Um, yeah. I'm going to give my free time, but there are people out there, you know, who are just making a lot of money. So you yeah. do need, please take Lasan's advice here and take your time and, and suss it out. And, you know, maybe it's something we can put on, we're not going to do red flag things on our Facebook page because we don't know, but if there's something that we know for certain, like Cinestory, I think Screencraft is great. Obviously, Screencraft Austin, is great. Um, you know, we can also make a list for you guys. Um, Powerfly is a good source too, to go on and look and, and use it as a, a place to vet because they're really good about that. I like that site a lot. What's it called? Coverfly? Coverfly. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I'll second Coverfly. I also, I also wonder too, Lisan, do you think there's any value to looking at past winners and possibly trying to find an email and just shooting someone an email and saying, Hey, I'm a writer. I stumbled across your win in the Hugadaba competition or residency. I've heard it's a good one. Um, But, and then just shooting them, you know, cold email and saying, any chance you'd want to let me buy you a coffee over Zoom or shoot you a Starbucks gift card or something to ask about your experience in that lab or contest. 
I think that's super smart, actually. I, I, it's never occurred to me, but that's what I tell people to do when they want like 15 minutes of information from someone. Yeah. Why not do it for a contest winner? Because that's a really invaluable way of finding out, is this place legit? Because I know um, a, a friend of mine that I met through Cinestory, she and I had a similar experience with an organization where, uh, and, and they've grown since then. This was the beginning of the organization where they did not follow through with what they said they were going to. And they were well-meaning and they were well-intentioned, but they just dropped the ball in both cases. And we were like, eh. but five, 10 years later, I think it's that much later, I, I would say, yeah, try some of their stuff. You know, also be careful if you're going to a big organization and they do a whole bunch of stuff, you don't want to just trust everything they do. You want to look and say, okay, are they across the board handling everybody well? You want to look at each and every arm of it, particularly when you're going to apply to and see if they're effective. Um, also, you know, you want to make sure that those people are doing the, the contests, uh, people are doing the work, but you also have to do the work, right? You can't just win a contest and be like, let the offers roll in, Not at right? All. I'm available, right? You Great, I won. Um, let's work together. Keep writing keep doing the other things you're doing because if you do get attention from a manager or producer they're gonna say great I saw your film I read your script what else do you have exactly you you cannot just do the thing and win the contest it's and not they for enough. sure are gonna say what else do you have because yep. um I was talking to our someone who'd been a guest on our show Sheila Hanrahan Taylor and she said you know her concern with contest was that often not always often the ones that are getting picked to win people aren't making those the, or they're yes. much harder to get made not yep. that they don't get made but it's not what an agent can sell and make quickly so there becomes this gap um and and does that mean that that indie writer should write studio films no that's not what i'm saying but it can get it can confusing because wait i won these contests why aren't I writing for Warner Brothers or why aren't, why isn't all these indie film directors calling me for my scripts? And it's well, because it's, that's actually a harder thing. Um, so it's good if you have more ideas or I write indie films, I do have this one uh, other idea that's TV or whatever, that there's a, an in then for the, for the business to see, okay, how do we, how do we get the, get your beautiful voice and ability out? What, where, what is it? What, how do we get it out into the world? Um, so you have to have other ideas, have other screenplays or TV shows so that when those people do come knocking, you know, I have to assume if you've applied to a contest, by the way, you've done many, many drafts of your screenplay and you've probably written more than one um, so that you are ready when they come knocking, by the way, it's, it's, you know, you're going to go into a business, you're going to have a job, you have to, you know, don't, if you want, I know people too who enter contests just to see, and I think that's fun too, like, where did I place? Like they know it's it's new and fun. I think that's a fun thing to do too. If you have the 30 bucks and you're like, I just want to see, you know, where does it get? Um, I've also and read a lot of people who are like, this contest, this script has been optioned. It's got a director attached and financiers are reading it and it didn't get anywhere in a contest, right? So the yep. contest also on the other side does not mean there's no value in your script on the oh, other God, side. No. I mean, let's talk about who are the readers for those contests in terms of, you know, I know Cinestory has very high level experienced readers, but I would think if you're getting thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of scripts, like let's say Nichols or, or Austin, and I don't know who's reading them, but I would think, you know, sometimes things get missed, right? Well, I read, for, I, read for, well, I read for the Nichols for five years. 
And literally, guys, I was reading like five to 700 scripts a year. It was crazy. Um, I had small children. It was a way to, to get some money in while I was ha- raising small children and writing. And I learned a lot. I will say that. But it is such a subjective process. And I will say they were so, and they still are, so organized and so specific. They train every year. It doesn't matter how many years you read from them. You have to go in for a training session. So you go in and they train you how to score the scripts according to their, because they're trying to make it as objective as possible. And that's almost impossible. But they actually are so specific because they want you to justify your score. So they make you write something. You don't have to do a synopsis of the script. You have to say why you scored it the way you scored it. And they're very specific about you understanding what their um, what their different levels are. So what does it mean to score it between 90 and 100? What does it mean? So we've actually emulated that. We've really worked hard to do our scoring system that way. But I don't know that everybody does that. I did. Um, I, w- I was curious. The nickel, not the nickel, the Austin, Austin now does something where if you've placed for them, you can take their, they actually have a reader's test that you have to then take and you have to prove to them that you can do this. And then you, I think you, for as many scripts as you read, they, you get credits towards a, a badge or something. I forget exactly how it works, but they are very specific about, okay, this is what we need you to be able to do in order to read. So lots more places are getting much more, um, thorough about how they get people to judge other places That's awesome yeah other places approach executives and I don't know how they educate them about their their uh scoring process but from what I have seen you can teach anybody what your scoring system is but somebody who's going to score low and thinks the script is terrific you can't change that they may just be low scores and that gets really frustrating and I think that's why because it's such a subjective process somebody who has said, oh my God, this script is amazing, might give it an 80. But to get through to the next level when you're getting so many scripts, it may need a 92. And even if you tell them that over and over and over again, they still won't score anybody above a 90 because they think that script's gotta be perfect for that. You know what I mean? And then other people can score really high. And so what's a 90 to them might not really I mean, be a it's 90. just like any art, right? Yep. It's an art, exactly. right? Not a craft. So very subjective. Because it's an art, you have to know that even if, you know, places like Nichols and Austin, all these places are so, so thorough and so careful and really do care about the writers. I know that they do. Oh, yeah. It's still art. It's still somewhat subjective. I mean, we did get one question um, from um, uh, Mary asked is is if there is a gender bias plays a role in advancing in contest for interest, a story that women might be interested in reading, seeing on the screen may not resonate for a male reader for screenplay contests. Now, um, and again, assuming she's saying they all subconsciously, of course, not consciously. Um, I mean, certainly this, the, the scoring systems you're talking about really do help with that because you're looking at craft and level and you know, you're trying to get it out of that unconscious bias. Um, what do you think about that? I think it's, I think it's a, a concern and it's one that we address by literally looking at our judges. And if we see, cause we're also a small enough organization that if we see something that, oh, you know what? We know how this person scores. We know who this person is. This may not have been the right script for him, her, or them. You know what I mean? And so we will have somebody else score it. And I know that with the nickel and I, I, I'm pretty sure they still do this. If they got something that was wildly um, different, the scores are wildly different. They give it a third read. You know what I mean? So they're trying to correct for that so that if somebody really, and they will also ask us, 
what are your genre preferences? What will you absolutely not read? So if you're not going to read a female-based script and give it a good score, they want to know that because then they're not going to give you those scripts. And a good competition will do that. Um, and, and that's another thing. If you, if you apply to something that is a small competition, that doesn't mean you're not going to get a good read, but it may mean that you're not going to get as objective a chance because they may not have that ability to do that yet. Or they may really care and they're going to put that effort in to make sure everybody scored fairly. You know, and, and that's again a research. One thing you're bringing up that I think is important is in both of these examples, there are at least two readers. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's a really important vetting indicator as you're looking at contests is that it gets at least two reads because like you said, that helps eliminate bias when it comes to scoring. Yeah. I will say- It's really hard though. I'm sorry, like yeah, go ahead. people- they're people, you're a person, right? So when I am a reader, I try very hard to look at craft, character, all the things, but sometimes there might be something in the script that I'm like, no, like it's my personal thing that I just do not want to see in a script. And I'm not talking about like typos or anything like that, like some something in a script that gets me the wrong way. And it could be I had a really shitty day and that thing sets me off. So I have to try to try really hard to not let that get in my way, ask for someone else to read it, but not, you know, but I'm still a person, right? Also, this doesn't happen all the time. I'm not saying this is my experience as a reader. <laughs> I try to be fair. I try to be open. Like, okay, where's this person coming from? You can tell pretty quickly what their craft level is. So you can kind of sort of figure out where they are in their journey, um, you know, with certain expectations. And, but I mean, people, we're, everyone is just a person who's coming at it as best they can. So you hope someone's coming at it with like the best possible reasons with the most open mind, but not, you can't guarantee that all the time. And that's why I think it's subjective because it's art, but it's also subjective because it's like human beings with lives who are reading these scripts. Yeah. And well, that's when that's it's true. Scare everybody, true once... everybody should be scared now to have me read you. No, 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 you're being <laughs> no, honest, but that's, but that's also, you know, don't think it's going to get any different when you're um, out making a living because right. people right. pass because they had a bad day or yeah. they had mm -hmm. so many things to read and you didn't grab them or, th or you're in the million... same genre. Like you're in the same genre of a project they just had that tanked and cost them a big chunk of their reputation. Yep. They're not going to want to bring you on because it's the same thing, you know? So yeah, it's so like, yeah. so I would know. say seven to eight out of 10, it has nothing to do with, in terms of once you've sold something, you're trying, you're in the business or some bazillion reasons people are passing on things, right? Um, so contests are, you got to work. It's just like being a professional writer. You got to work hard, do many drafts, have lots of things when you're ready. And it's all what you put into it, right? Like you said, there's no, I think sometimes writers get into writing because we are uh, chosen as writers and that's how our brain works. And we've been given the gift, so to speak, the taps on. Um, but then we also, I think, think that someone's going to see us. They're going to see our story. We're finally going to appear or we're going to be knighted or put the crown on our head or something, right? Like, and I'm not saying all writers, but a lot of ones I meet, you know, and, and so much of this is the effort to just, that's not what you're going for. You're going for your own work, your own process, your own stories, the next story that's coming down the pike, you know, that what, that's what keeps you in the game, so to speak, is all of that effort towards your own work and craft and storytelling um, and just the joy of it, which I know sounds like a cliche, but that's in the end what you have to rely on. Um, Lasan, there was a question about, do certain fellowships or contests lean toward a genre? 
uh, in other words, should we be selecting certain contests based on the story that we wrote or are they more broad than that? I think they're more broad than that. I mean, there, there are ones that will be super specific about what they want. Um, like there are horror ones, there are this, there are that. But I think what, what the contests are looking for, honestly, are just good writing. And, you know, I got to be honest, they're looking for good writing within the first 15 pages. Because if you, I, I have never heard somebody say, I stuck it out and it, it just picked up, if they're reading 10 scripts at once. Never, unless they're reading for somebody and they know the person, you know what I mean? So really focus on making sure that you're getting across what you need to get across in those first five to 15 pages because you want the reader to keep reading. And that's gonna be true no matter what, what you're writing for. You want the reader to keep reading. You want the viewer to keep watching. And in competitions, you've got people who are doing this for free for the most part. It's very rare that they're getting paid to read. And if they can bump you for whatever reason, they're going to. And that sounds brutal, but it's true. You know, um, I, I've read scripts, especially for the nickel, because they get all kinds. I've read scripts that with their margins are huge or the margins are tiny or it's not in English or it's not properly formatted. I'm going to get through that as quickly as possible and ding it. You know, um, as, as when I was a reader back then for them. I mean, absolutely. So you want to be really conscious of um, showing what you love right up front, like showing your passion on the page right up front. And it's so normal, especially for emerging writers, but for any writers, especially in early drafts, that you're like, well, I have to hold this back until the midpoint or 2B because it's yeah. my juicy scene and we're going to have all of this intro to get to it. And because if I put it up front, where am I going? And I'm like, I know, where would you go? <laughs> exactly. Already in Act 1, that's exactly the point. Try it. I can't tell you how many times everywhere I've worked, Pixar, everywhere I've worked, where you're like, no, oh, shit, that's not the midpoint. That's the end of Act 1. Up it goes, right? So, you know, that's another great learning uh, craft thing to try if you're First 15 pages aren't surprising me, really giving me a great tone. The characters arrive, some moment, something, you know, maybe it's because you've got too much. This is all actually backstory and you need to go pull it up and see what's happening. Um, and know your, yeah. know your genre. Yeah. Yes. Um, like, oh, yes. Because, you know, when I read, I sort of say, these are the genres I want to read because I know them because I feel like I can actually see if you know the genre, right? I'm not gonna ask for horror because I'm not an expert in horror, although I keep writing it lately. So maybe I'm getting better. I'm, I keep saying that again in my career. I'm like, no, I'm never doing horror. So here I am doing a ton of horror. But you know, I get um, animation scripts, I get family scripts. Uh, these are not written for three-year-olds. They are written for, you know, look at your genre, right? Look, watch shows or movies, read them, understand what you're doing because when I read it, if I'm reading sci-fi, I'm looking for a sci-fi script. Yeah, have you read, if you're doing sci-fi, have you watched and analyzed the best five and the worst five? And the worst five will teach you far more usually because the best five get you so mm -hmm. locked into the storytelling that you forget that you're supposed to be analyzing it. Um, right. But I, by analyzing it, mean, look at the character journey. Where are the set pieces? How do they open? How do they close? Like, what are the tenets of that genre that you can start to see there? Does that mean you have to do that? No, you but do it whatever means you, want. you have to know you're breaking the rule if you're breaking the rule. That's all I want to yeah. know. And I will be able to tell in the script that you know that you're doing something different, which is great. And you're reinventing the genre, but to reinvent something, you have to know it. 
Um, I just gave a talk at a, I sometimes for, you know, just to help out, go and give my seminar talk. And at the end, this gentleman said, how is this not all cookie cutter? You know, and I was like, well, because I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you to create from this. I'm not telling you, I'm telling you inspirational tools, but you do kind of need to know the three X structure. If you're going to do a five X structure, you kind of do. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. If you're going to tell it backwards, you better know how to tell it forwards. Like it's just, you, you bat, you cut, you cut, in my opinion, you know, the basic in order to jump off. Um, and people resist that because they, they worry that it makes them, you know, too cookie cutter or whatever. And I just, I just don't, I think it's a dodge personally. I think it's a dodge yeah. writing a great genre movie is so hard. Yes. Oh my God. It yeah. is so much easier to do whatever the fuck I want in a drama and wander around and do whatever I want then you have, there's a genre here, there's parameters, there's a box, again, break it, but it's so much, in my opinion, to make a great and one, a piece of art out of genre, super, super really high fucking writing. Hard. Yeah. And I'm just gonna yeah. say it, animation is not a genre, animation is a medium. So when people ask so me, how do I write an animation script? I'm like, it's a script. It's a script just like any other script right it looks the same there's no big shocking format change it's a medium so you're telling a story about a character and there has to be plot and theme and goals and structure just like in a live action script so I get animation scripts sometimes that are just like lots of goofy things happening I'm like this isn't this isn't a story this is just goofy things happening so Animation is a medium, not a genre. There, I'm off my little soapbox. Carry on. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I gotta say, the, um, yeah, some yeah. of the best advice that I got in grad school, and I still, I don't do this as much, but if I'm writing something in a genre, I will do now. If I'm writing in a genre I've never written in before, I will literally, like you were saying, get five good, fat, five bad movies and break them down. I literally will watch those damn movies with my, I'll have a pen or a computer open or something, and I am writing down every single scene and just doing a, a slug line for what's happening what's happening in the scene, what's happening in the scene, what's happening in the scene, so that I can then analyze, okay, out of these movies, what are the commonalities? What's the rising action? I, I literally go through the structure so that I understand what I'm getting myself into, and it helps. I mean, I still, like I'm writing a genre piece right now, and I go back to those outlines of those movies to look and see, oh, what do they do here? Because you can steal that structure and then make it your own. It doesn't matter, but you have to understand it. Meg, Meg, Meg gave me a, an exercise like this many years ago. She's like, watch, what movie do you want to write? And I was like, this movie. She goes, okay, this is a movie like that. Watch it yep. at 10 minutes, because that's where you want your inciting incident. Stop the remote yep. at 10 colon zero, 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 right? Because Hollywood editing is like, and then, okay, what's the inciting incident? Now stop it at 25, 20, 25, 35, like those page markers that were told, right? I think it's like save the cat or something, right? Or wherever you think it might be, what's happening? What are the decisions? What's the character doing? And it was the most useful it's thing. It hadn't helpful. occurred to me to do that, right? Yeah. And now even sometimes I'll be watching a show or a movie and I'll be like, press pause! Because I want to make sure that that is what I think is, is this the midpoint? You know, that I want to make sure that I think that's what's happening because I'm constantly trying to figure out structure. Yeah, always. Yeah, like, I, and I'm still, I'm still doing it at when I get up, like, let's say, you know, you get a genre of adventure or whatever. And it's like, well, what the hell? How are they doing ticking clocks? Like, 
How do they build that? Well, how do you express it in act one so that you're like, I got it, right? Or, you know, um, how, how do ensembles work and what are the different kinds, right? Like, well, this is really a lead with people around her or no, it really is. We're gonna go in everybody different point of view or does the ensemble form immediately and they go through the whole act, through the whole movie together or is it about them forming? Right. Where do they form in the structure? Like, again, that's a, I'm not saying get inspiration from these things. It's more once you've got your clay up and your inspiration to figure out what it is your intuitive self is trying to do. Right. Again, I don't I don't do it the other direction. I do it like that doesn't quite feel right. Right. Like that's not quite the thing, you know, like I was looking at um, uh you know, like Indiana Jones, you're like, well, if you think about it, what are the stakes of finding an ark? Like nothing. Like it's an ark, it's buried. Where's the fucking ticking clock? Well, guess what? The power of God is in it. And you're like, okay, now you can tell the audience the power of God's in it, but there's no visual with that. So there's a guy opening a book and showing you a picture of an ark with the power of God coming out of it and people falling down on the ground, which is the exact same visual that happens at the end of the movie. And what does Indy say when he sees that picture up front? Bah, that's just myth, that's ridiculous. And at the end, he's like, I believe it, turn away, don't look, it's the power of God. Like stakes, like I, that Sandra Bullock movie, right? I just watched it. You know, this is not a, this is not a spoiler. There is a volcano about to erupt because otherwise, why do we, what's the ticking clock of going to get something buried in the ground, right? So again, I'm not saying you have to put a volcano in it. And sometimes you're like, I wish it was more metaphoric to her journey or whatever. I um, wish, I hope that every movie I read from now on has a volcano in it. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> well, it gives a lot of tension. It, it gives dramatic tension. Again, that becomes cookie cutter. Yeah. That's the cookie cutter. Well, I'll put a volcano in mine. Now you're in cookie cutter. It's ask, but there are questions that you need to be asking in terms of the skill and the craft. We're probably off topic here, but oh, okay. No, 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 it's all good because this, I was we're talking tell about one this. quick story okay, go. about an amazing, not amazing uh, playwriting professor I was and that I once taught this like month long class, Jan term. And I was like, we were doing the art of dramatic writing, you know, and I, we were talking about structure and I was like, well, let's say like a ticking clock, right? Somebody gets murdered as an example, right? And you got to figure out who, who did it so that no one else gets murdered. I got 17 plays that oh all started God. with a murder and oh it was amazing God. because they were all, I mean, I was like, oh, I didn't do that on purpose, but they were all so different. Like it was kind of a cool exercise, right? It's a great exercise. Yeah, I love that yeah, exercise. But I, I was accidentally a genius, but at first I was like, oh God, they took me so literally, but then, you know, kind of cool, turned out cool. We had actors come in and, but it was kind of, you know, amazing, you know? Yeah, that's, so everyone that's how you can tell stories. That's another way to tell if you have a good log line, just to jump to another topic, but these log lines are going in for contests. So you have yep. to have them. You have to have like, it. Oh my God. And when they're bad, it's awful. You right. Don't want so we're going to do on the Patreon, a whole log line. How do you make them a session to kind of help people? But, um, you know, if your log line, your character in the log line just feels like I could insert, I could give that log line to 25 people and it could all come back a different movie, right? Like what's the, can you get specific? Or even if you're just your script, when you're telling people, forget about log lines, you're just telling people, but it's all incident. It's all things like, well, he, he lived here, this happened to him. It's okay, but I could put five different people, characters or 25 in those incidents 
and I'm going to get completely different movies or what's the genre of that or so this is all of these things are stuff when you go into contests that people are looking at in terms of do you know the genre break it that's good but you clearly have a handle on it all that craft your log line it's a lot um okay so one last question here um um so Alex asked, what are you supposed to do if you place even just a quarter or semifinalist? How do you best use that to leverage the new steps like management or agents to, you know, let's say you do place, what should you do? You know, it's interesting because I've heard people address that so often at CineStory because we always have panels where people talk about this kind of thing and they talk about, can, can you really make anything out of this? And we specifically have the managers and the agents talk about that. And what they have said is, you know, most of them do not take cold, uh, cold script. They don't take uh, queries, but occasionally they will. And it will help if you say, hey, I was a finalist in this. I was a semifinalist and quarterfinalist might not help as much, but at least you're saying somebody has vetted you and that will help. If you have somebody specific in mind that you'd like to talk to and you manage to get their information and send them an email, that's another way to say, hey, I've, I've, this is what I've done. These are my accomplishments. And don't list every single tiny thing you've done. But if you've got some significant ones, people will pay attention to that. Because again, you've gotten it to a certain level. And what else have you got is that question that comes to their mind because, oh, if they've gotten this far, they might have something else that's going to get them further. I think that's where that comes in. Um, but quite honestly, that's with the bigger competition. The smaller ones, it doesn't matter as much. I will say that the competition's do tend to pay attention if you've, well, they pay attention if you've placed before the bigger ones sometimes because they're like, you can't reapply with the script again. Um, but the smaller ones will track you and see how much it's developed. And that's I, that I find really interesting. So it's not a bad thing to have placed because then once you apply again, you can remind them in your cover letter, hey, I got this far last time and I've done this, this, and this rewrite because a lot of times you can submit a, a cover letter for <clears> competitions. <throat> and I think that's really valuable to mention. Um, but again, I don't know how helpful that is all the time, unless you're willing to do that work of, okay, I know this person is interested in this kind of script. I'm going to use this placement to get their attention. I think that's when it's helpful. What you just said about people um, placing, you know, doing better, placing again or entering again, it reminds me of CineStory, how you have so many repeat writers coming, right? They, they come I love up, they place. They, they come up again and again, and I love being a mentor and coming up whenever I can, because it's, it's, it's this sort of comforting experience and it's this getaway, but also like there's new writers and some of the same writers. And so it's really exciting to see people how they're progressing and it, it's just really great. Can you talk a little bit about um, CineStory and why you think that people want to keep coming every year? even as they become professional writers. <laughs> I can talk about that because I came to Sinistory as a writer and Meg was one of my first mentors actually. And, um, and I was super pregnant. Um, and I remember sitting in your office because you couldn't make it that year. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm going to give birth right here. But I think the reason people love coming back to Sinistory is because it is such a, it's an all-encompassing experience. Like you really are, you're having these one-on-one -on -one meetings where people in the industry have actually read your work and they're giving you these very thoughtful notes. And that's exciting right there. But then you get to go sit in on these informals where people are talking about all aspects of the business. And you get to ask questions of the people that are sitting there that are, you know, and, and it becomes a conversation, which I find really interesting. And then on top of that, you have your meals with everybody. 
And so you get to know people. It becomes an even playing field because it's not about, oh, you're so much more established than I am. I can't talk to you. It's more like, oh, you're a human being. Let's talk about our kids. Let's talk about whatever. Let's talk about writing. Let's talk about what makes us right. Let's talk about what we bump on. Um, let's talk about ideas that we have to make things better for the world, for our writing, for whatever. Um, and it becomes such an uplifting experience for everybody because it's basically, it's camp for adults with screenwriting. You know what I mean? It's, um, such a positive experience because everybody's there to support each other. And I love that about it. It's a very safe experience. And, you know, people really do have big breakthroughs. Um, They can have big breakthroughs, I think, um, because it is so safe and because it is so supportive and people aren't there to quote unquote buy it. So there's no competition. It's really about, it's not about them as a mentor or it's not about me, it's about you. Like I'm here to help you. Who are you? What are you trying to do? What kind of career do you want? So like your session might start on the script, but then you're talking about the other things they wrote and some sessions go into other questions that you have and some go very, very deep into this script. Um, and that's what we're talking about and kind of having breakthroughs there. So um, it's pretty yeah, amazing. It's a, it, it's a beautiful, it is really a lab um, in that sense of the word in terms of you're really experimenting and going very deep, I think. Um, and there's great bonds and it's so bonding to do have really that experience is. together. Um, I've made some yeah, amazing friends that way. Uh, before we Me keep too. going, um, I wanted to I do just- want to say one other, sorry to interrupt. I keep interrupting you. Hold on to that thought. I do want to say one other thing about Cinestory is that I don't get to hang around agents or managers or producers that often or other writers. So it's also like, I get to ask agents and managers questions. Like what's going on? What are you guys thinking? Like what's selling right now? Or producers, like hearing what their journey is in TV or movies or so for me, that's, it's like this fun opportunity to like, what else is going on other than what's on my screen in my basement, you know? So it's fun talking to all the writers, the professional writers who are the mentors and the, the writers the who are there. Too, so, right. And the group. Yeah, talks. So totally. it's not just, you're only not just meeting your three mentors. You're getting to meet everybody and hearing yeah. from everybody mm-hmm. too. It's so great. Yeah. It's really people fun. Are, people are super honest because we don't record anything. So we're like, you know, this is a safe place. Everything stays in here. And so people are really honest. They may not name names, but they're honest about how the business works and what you can expect. And they're encouraging. So it doesn't become this big downer, which I think it, it definitely could. Um, but no, it, so it I, I, the, the goal is to have everybody leave the mountain inspired. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and the goal is to have everybody leave inspired and actually, quite honestly, more self-aware of themselves. That was the worst sentence ever. <laughs> oh my God. More self-aware of themselves as writers, maybe not as people, but I think the two go in, are just so intertwined, yeah. but really that's our goal is to, who are you as a writer? You know, and part of that is who are you as a person? Right. And, and I, I think do that's believe really that important. deep work is how you get the agents and managers because you're putting yourself out there on the page and that voice starts to come through and it, uh, it's something that people will perk up to. Well, and that's one of the reasons. So what, just what really were you going to say that I interrupted yeah, well, you? Oh, I, I interrupted say... you again. Oh my God, I keep doing it. <laughs> oh, honey, I am the worst about that. Just ask my kids. They're like, oh my God, can I talk? Um, so I, what I was going to say is, because, and it ties into how important it is to like get to know yourself and who you are as a writer. When you're applying to these places, when you apply to a competition, you're just sending your script. When you apply to a lab and, and when you apply to a residency, you have to write an artist statement. And this is one of the reasons that we do address, Meg introduced me to personal thematic um, uh, exercise that I thought was brilliant. 
And so I had to teach something um, for Hedgebrook recently. And so I rewrote it so it would be my my own words and so I could understand it and teach online to 70 people, which by the way is freaking scary. And so now we do this at Sinistory at the end of the retreat because we want people to walk out knowing why they write and what they write. And what I've said to people now is this can be your artist statement. You need to have an artist statement in your back pocket because if you're going to apply to these labs, they want to know why you write. And they want to know why you wrote what you wrote. What is your personal connection to your story? And it's just, it's invaluable. And so you really want to be prepared with that because any lab you apply to, including all the studio labs for like directing and writing and all that kind of thing, you got to write one of these statements and you have to do it well, because that's how they get to know who you are and who you are ultimately is going to be more important to them than you being the most brilliant writer in the world, because you got to be able to spend the day with somebody. You got to want to spend the next year with somebody on a project. And if that person isn't who you want to spend time with, they're not going to hire you. You know what I mean? So That's I think awesome. it's really important. That's awesome. One quick thing I'll say too, is just one thing I love about contests is they do provide deadlines. And if you don't, That's true. If, if you don't have a studio, you're delivering something to or a manager, you're delivering something to, it's nice to say that on May 23rd, I have to have this draft finished to send and polished. So there are some, <laughs> there have been some contests that, I've told myself I was going to submit to knowing I probably wouldn't, but just approach that contest as if that was my hard deadline to give me some kind of external metric to push towards as I'm writing. I love that. Do yeah. that. People do that. If you need it. I know I do. That's awesome. I do too. I need deadlines. I took a class recently so I would get myself to write 10 pages a week because I knew that I was not in the place where I was going to do that. And it helped. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And I try to do like have my friends, but my friends are so nice that they're like, do you have something for me? And I'm like, no, it has to be. You owe me a hundred dollars. I love that. Um, Lisanne, do you have anything else you want to say or um, talk about? Not that I can think of. I think we've pretty much covered it. I mean, I would just say, be very careful who you're giving your money to, because at the end of the day, you know, this is your sweat and your blood and your, your tears that you're, you're putting out there and you want to make sure you're putting it out there to somebody that cares and you're spending money on it that you could be spending somewhere else on your career. You know what I mean? So I would say, really think about what else you have also. That was another one. Oh, you know what? That was the other thing. What else you have is such a big deal. If you get lucky enough to place, you don't want to just be, oh, I've got, I've got a treatment in the works. You want to have a script that is done. I've got a rough draft or something. I mean, it's not a bad thing if that's all you've got, but I still remember many, 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 many years ago, ending up with agents that were for one thing too big for me, but also didn't care what else I had because they just cared that I had won a competition. And the other agency that I should have gone with said to me, what else do you have? And at the time I didn't have anything else and they were the better match for me. So rather than being patient and writing that other thing and then going to them with it, I went with the bigger agency and they were big spec salesmen. And they would say to me, okay, send me 10 ideas and then we'll tell you which one to write. And I did it. And it was, it would, they would always pick the one I was least interested in and I would always write it and it would be just dry, boring script. So what else you have is really important because it helps you. It gives you more options, quite honestly, um, in addition to lots such, of other things. Such good advice. Good advice. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having um, me. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and if uh, 
our audience hasn't heard, we highly recommend the TSL Facebook group. Um, it's this really wonderful place where lots of writers and people in industry get together and ask questions and offer support. And um, Lisa is in there. So if you have a question for her, you can tag her and she'll jump right on it because she's not busy at all. <laughs> if she can, if she can. If oh, she I, can. I, I, I love kidding. the distraction. Are you kidding? I, yeah, kidding. I love the distraction. <laughs> it's great. And to our audience, please also write us a, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and you might hear your review read on the show. And remember, you are not alone and keep writing. Thanks for tuning in to The Screenwriting Life. We love our community and we want to get to know you even better. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash the screenwriting life or email us at the screenwriting life at gmail.com to have your question considered for the show. You can also suggest topics by emailing us there. Also, we'd love for you to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if we don't read your review on air, trust me, we have read it. And not only does it mean the world to us, but it helps other people find the show. We've always been driven by mission and mentorship and reviewing our show helps expand that mission. And of course, until next Sunday, happy writing.